Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. BetOnline.ag will take care of all of your gambling needs. We've got the Pro Bowl Skills Challenge this weekend. We've got a wait a week for Super Bowl 57, Chiefs, Eagles. If you want to place a bet on any of the NFL action, BetOnline.ag is the place to do it. Use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. You can see that on your screen right now. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers show on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen. Really happy to be joined today by today's guest. He's live in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. Happy to welcome NFL draft scout for the Believe Network, Joe DeLeon. Joe, welcome to the program. Joining us live this morning from Mobile. How are you doing this morning, my man? You using the word alive, I think, is the best way to describe it because (laughs) in a way it does feel like that. I just tweeted how it feels like I've been awake for a week. But at the same time, there's nothing better being at practices, watching NFL prospects. I'm such a nerd when it comes to this stuff. Uh, So just happy to be here, having a blast. I'll catch up on that sleep when I when I get home or on the flight or not or whatnot. But uh, it's been an awesome week getting to see some of these potentially really really good players. Go full vampire mode, Joe. And <laughs> I want to start. What's the chatter about Tom Brady? This news breaks yesterday that the goat is going to retire. Just what's your two cents worth? What are people talking about in Mobile at the Senior Bowl? Because I know there are a lot of NFL personnel there scouting ahead of the 2023 draft. Yeah, I haven't heard too much uh, commotion regarding his possible return. It was funny when the news broke because it, it, it's you're in a setting where you're around all these other media people and you're you're around people that you know but you also don't know and it's it's really interesting just hearing suddenly people go Tom Brady just retired and then you kind of hear people talking about that reacting to it. it it's kind of like being in one big production editorial meeting where Everyone's just having a conversation about it, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound like there's still any conversation of him maybe sneaking his way back in. I feel that that's always a possibility with a guy like Tom Brady. I would not be shocked if he doesn't go full Brett Favre and and like being away, he comes back, but that's all speculation. Uh, You know, I'm just guessing off of how the guy has done, but most people are just reacting in, Oh, he retired after he retired last year. None of us are really that surprised. As long as he doesn't hijack Selection Sunday again, Joe, I think we're okay regardless of what he decides. (laughs) I remember, though, you're in my brain with the Brett Favre comparison, though, because I remember this was really like a pre-social media era where you're in the dog days of summer of June and July. There's really only baseball going on. There's not a ton going on in the sports world. And it's like fire up the chopper. Let's get it ready. We're going to be outside Brett Favre's home, outside the (laughs) facility, whether it was with the Jets when he went to the Vikings. Is he going to retire? Isn't he going to retire? No, this time he's done. No, he's going to come back for another year. And this saga was must-watch television because we didn't have a whole lot else going on. Yeah, no, I I think that 
you get a lot of the same vibes from Brett Favre that you get from Tom Brady, which is why I think it's certainly a possibility. I hope it doesn't happen because we all mm. we all remember Brett Favre, but for some reason, because of the way his career ended, you kind of have that sour taste in your mouth. I hope that it isn't the case because this year was a little bit of a down year for Brady. If he finished the year before, it would have been the more poetic end to his career. If he retired after the Super Bowl, it would have been even better. Um, but again, hopefully he makes the right decision and it's a, it's a calculated one when he, if he does decide to come back. I wouldn't be surprised either if like, okay, maybe he doesn't start the season, but then halfway through the season, uh, Someone key, calls a, him. a contender has a key injury at the quarterback position and say what you want about the guy, the bucks couldn't run the ball this last year and he's still better than half the other quarterbacks in the league, even at the age of 45. So Regardless of what he decides, he's had a tremendous career. I don't think any decision he'd make would tarnish his legacy in any way. But this will he, won't he, if you're going to stay retired, stay retired. And like, honestly, make up your mind and make a decision really for anyone, maybe for Greg Olson's sake, you know? (laughs) No, absolutely. And it's, I actually, I would consider what you said. I'm sure that he has that in the back of his mind that, you know, let's let's walk away. And then if if somebody really, really is desperate for me and calls me and says, Tom, we just need you for the for the four games in the playoffs. We really, really need you. I, you know, heck, I, if, if he had retired last year, I'm sure the 49ers would have called him and tried to do that instead of rolling out there with Josh Johnson and Brock Purdy. The, they would have been in the Super Bowl right now if he was on that team. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, I think it's definitely a possibility. And I, I, I my surprise meter is at like a two. For for if anything happens, I'm just gonna be like, okay, cool, Tom. We knew that this was coming. If it happens during Selection Sunday, though, last year just <laughs> bro- broke my brain though because I'm watching the ESPN broadcast and yeah. we're into bracketology by that point because the brackets were set. And then all of a sudden, Adam Schefter's coming on during my college basketball analysis and coverage. Ridiculous! And it broke my brain, Joe. I won't lie to you. <laughs> oh, completely ridiculous the timing of it. And I think. He, he knows better. He knows better not to to, to try, try and hijack another uh, media cycle. But uh, hopefully he does it when less is going on. Maybe it'll be during the World Series when he, when he decides to decides to come back. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, Joe, you were at the Senior Bowl, and the Steelers have three picks in the top 50. So they have the mm-hmm. 17th overall pick in the first round, a second rounder, the 32nd overall pick in the trade with Chase Claypool with the Bears, and then they have their own second-round pick at 49. They also have a third-round pick at number 80. Offensive line and cornerback are two positions of need, offensive line and corner for the Steelers. And I want to start with the cornerback position. Mm -hmm. You're at the Senior Bowl. You're seeing these practices before Saturday's game. Which cornerbacks have stuck out to you that would be able to help out my beloved black and gold? Yeah, I think one guy who, without a doubt, has had the best week far and ahead of, of a lot of these corners is Caillou Blue Kelly from, from Stanford. He had a strong first day, some really nice plays, but the second day was, was when he was making those wow plays. He had a pick six, really, really tough interception. There's a clip that I posted on my Twitter of him just making a really good reactive play on the ball. I think what really shows with a guy like him is the ball skills and the instincts to track down the football, make plays all over the field. He, to me, has been one of the, the better performing corners. It's actually a, a relatively weak corner group, so there's just really actually not that that many exciting options because a lot of the corners in this class are underclassmen. But if mm-hmm. if I was able to throw in just another guy who I think has, has been um, 
surprising and just has had a couple good reps. I think Sidney Brown from from Illinois has shown a couple good signs of, of coverage. One guy who's not a corner but is a defensive back, who I believe is one of my top performers this week, is Christopher Smith. Now, Christopher Smith played on from Georgia, played safety, played free safety on a group of a bunch of future first-rounders or inevitable first-rounders, and a guy like him gets overshadowed really easily. When I did my evaluation of him, it's easy to not be impressed when you see all these freakish athletes on the field. But now that he's not that, you know, the, the hidden guy amongst the group, he is dominating right now. He is showing how good of a coverage player he is in these one-on-one situations, which is another thing he wasn't asked to do much at Georgia. He is locking down tight ends in these one-on-one drills. And then they asked him to cover guys in these one-on-one receiver drills. And he's doing a lot of the same, making plays on the ball. He's a handsy, aggressive player. One of the other main things that you hear about with the Christopher Smith is that he is just high character kid. Kirby Smart talks so highly of him. And yesterday, uh, one of my other shows that I was on my co-host brought up uh, how Kirby Smart brings up that he can just yell at Christopher Smith and Christopher Smith will just say, yes, sir. And he, he goes right to work. So you're getting a great leader with him. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he plays somewhere in the nickel, probably going to play a little bit, mostly free safety, but just a really, really good player. Well, he's playing against uh, or playing with other Georgia teammates that are dogs, Joe. I mean, you're talking about <laughs> not just the Bulldogs, but in all seriousness, yeah. you're talking about a defense where last year they had however many first-round picks. I'm pretty sure it either set or tied a record. Defense might have been even better this past season. So, when, look, the front seven for Georgia, like, I know that they always say, well, could Georgia beat an NFL team or could Alabama beat an NFL team? You look at the talent that those guys have on the defensive mm. side of the ball. And the way they're able to dominate the line of scrimmage, it makes you know Christopher Smith's job easy on the back end where he's not asked to do a whole lot because of who he's surrounded with at the yeah. collegiate level. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's why I think it's really important for him to play as well as he has. It's not like he showed up and he's been consistent. He's winning and like winning in a very dominant way. And for him to do it without all of that, that talent to, to buoy him, I think is just so important for his draft stock. I had him graded as a third round pick. And I think right now I might have to bump him up just the way that I've seen him play and the way that he is, he has been so, so productive in, in all of these drills. All right. Good insight there. Let's go to the line of scrimmage and show some love to the big uglies up front, the offensive linemen. And I've seen clips. I've seen Mm. social media where Mike Tomlin, who's not quote unquote coaching just walks up and he's looking at, whoever his first round prize is going to be. I'm hoping we can get someone up front who can do two things for the Steelers. Number one can serve as Kenny Pickett's bodyguard for the next decade plus. And then number two, someone who can pave the way for Najee Harrison company in the backfield who stuck out to you on the offensive line through this week in senior bull Joe. Yeah. First of all, I think that the best groups of players that are here are the offensive and defensive linemen without a Mm -hmm. doubt. And I I've tried so hard the hard last few days to pay attention to these one-on-ones with the, with the DBs and the receivers more, but I can't help myself from just walking back over to where the, the, the O-line one-on-ones are going on because you kind of just hear the, the, the pop, you hear all the plays that are going on in the distance. Like, well, I got to see what's going on over here. But the, in terms of those guys, that have shined on the offensive line. There's a, a few that really catch my eye. Jalen Duncan had a really good first day playing at left tackle. The guy, uh, a player out of Maryland, they I, I didn't understand it, but they asked him to play right tackle yesterday, and 
he looked really uncomfortable. He looked like a completely different player. I'm hoping that they don't force him to do that again today because it it kind of negatively impacted my outlook on him, mm. seeing how much he struggled. Blake Freeland, tall, long guy from BYU, has had a bit of an up-and-down week, but the traits are certainly there. Um, Matt Bergeron from Syracuse has been the epitome of consistency, and I, I think he's had one of the quietest but best weeks, and quiet in a good reason. In his time at Syracuse, he's just one of those guys that doesn't get too high or too low and just consistently wins reps, and he's doing the same thing here. He's not somebody who is going to pick somebody up and plant them. He's not going to you know, do what Dewan Jones did against Isaiah Foskey, which was you know, he ripped them and, and threw them into the ground because of the, the size difference between the two of them. He's just going to shut you down right off of your, your initial move. So Matt Bergeron, I think, might slide into the back end of the first round if not early second, is a name that the Steelers should be eyeing. If they're looking for a center replacement, John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota is somebody who keeps getting brought up as having the best week out of any prospect that is here in Mobile. He can play a little guard, but I think his his career is mostly going to be at center. Um, he is similar to Matt Bergeron, where doesn't do anything that's very sexy, doesn't do anything that's like he's bullying people over and, and pancaking, pancaking guys. Instead, he's just not making mistakes he's he's winning his reps he looks solid all around uh two more guys that i want to get to because there's just so many good offensive line play cyrus torrance big meaty guard from from florida has had a lot of nice reps and then i got to give a shout out to steve avila who i've tweeted a bunch of clips for him the thing that excites me about a steve avila who i was high on in the preseason a little lower on after doing my final eval and then now i'm kind of coming back around to him seeing how he did he played center originally at tcu they moved him to guard this year, struggled a little bit at guard, shows up at practice, stout, great footboard, footwork, powerful base. And then he's also playing some center here this week. He's done great at both of those things. So I think Steve Avila is a great guy that'll be a swing player that can play either spot. Joe, I've got your handle on the screen right now for our viewers. So if you want to see some clips from the behind-the-scene practices, check Joe's handle out there. You can see that on your screen right now. And you mentioned the difference between playing on the left side versus the right side. A lot of times it's not that the player doesn't have the capability of doing that, but it's just yeah. a muscle memory of you're accustomed to playing on one side, the footwork, the technique that can all get thrown off when you go from right to left or left to right. Yeah. Jalen Duncan, you really, you really do see that. And Blake Freeland, they had him doing the same thing and he was also struggling. I just think it's different with guard and with center in my opinion, tackle, there's just so much space. There's so many ways to get attacked by an edge rusher, especially some of these twitchy guys like Andre Carter, like KJ Henry, like Isaiah Foskey that have so much room of their own to work with and to create. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that that stepping in with, with trying to figure out the technique, I think it's a little annoying if I'm Jalen Duncan to, to be asked to do that after having a couple bad reps, I'm just moving him back to left tackle. There's no benefit for him to, to try and play those other spots if he's struggling. I'll say this. This excites me because when you think of Steelers football, traditionally it's the ground and pound, the November, December, January football where you're pounding the rock. And the last several years, the Steelers have struggled to do that. The reason why they draft Najee Harris a few years back in the first round out of Alabama is the season before they finished dead last in the NFL and rushing. Mm -hmm. It's something they're slowly starting to get better at. It's the reason why they kept offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, because 
on the back half of the season, they were finally getting back to their roots of what makes Steelers football Steelers football. And this excites me when I hear about all these offensive linemen prospects, Joe, because mm-hmm. the last time the Steelers drafted an offensive lineman in the first or the second round, you've got to go back to 2012 when they drafted all pro guard David DeCastro. Wow. You're talking about more than a decade ago at this point. So you had a David DeCastro. You had uh, a Pouncey anchoring what you do up front at the line of scrimmage from the interior. And that's something I want to see the Steelers get back to is you've got this investment in Kenny Pickett. You've got, you know, a sum that doesn't equal its parts on the offense because they have talent at the skill position players. They need someone who can be a true difference maker at the line of scrimmage to help their offense get back to what it's capable of. Because this past season, it was the explosive plays. But when they did have success on the back half of the year, it was the ability to run the ball for a line that was young, that did play together, which other lines can't say throughout the league. But if you don't have the talent and the personnel up front from the get-go, I don't care who you put back there behind center. They're going to struggle at some point. And when you tell me about all of these prospects, it's like, wow, we can maximize Kenny Pickett. We can maximize Najee Harris. We can maximize George Pickens. Uh, Deontay Johnson, and I don't mean to name drop all the Steelers skill position players, but those are players who have shown that they're capable of playing at a high level in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that this definitely is a, is a good year to try and build out that offensive line, whether it's just with depth pieces or if it's with guys that could be long-term starters. This is a, a deep offensive line class. And I, coming into the season, was underwhelmed by the guards in the centers in the class. But I think as things have progressed in this draft cycle, there are more and more names to pay attention to, but this is certainly a good year for the Steelers where they, they should take as many shots as they can. They should draft two to three guys if possible and just see how things shape out, take advantage of all those picks, start building up front. I love it. I love it. What have you seen from the personnel? I know on my Twitter feed, I've seen Mike Tomlin, who again, who's not coaching, just, wanders onto the field and no one's going to say no it's Mike Tomlin my co-host Ike Taylor I know is there I'm going to be talking to him tomorrow about his observations from the senior bowl what have you seen from Steelers personnel I know Omar Khan is also there but with your two eyes Joe I know your boots on the ground what have you seen uh yeah for the most part like you're saying Tomlin wandering around and and finding himself in these drills and the the one thing I will say is just a lot of team personnel here it's it's kind of tough to figure out um, you know, who, who's who at some at some points. It's kind of funny. You see guys like Wink Martindale that are just casually hanging out on the sidelines. Uh, someone like him always stands out. But the you know, the Steelers crew, a lot of attention being paid uh, to, the, to that offensive line. And it makes sense with the struggles that they had last year and they've had over the past couple of years. And if you want to turn this, turn this ship around, it all starts with building up front and taking some of these guys that inevitably could be really, really strong depth pieces or just consistent starters for hopefully years to come. I think you brought up a great point earlier too, Joe, and that these are senior players. So the underclassmen who are coming out earlier in this draft aren't here at the senior no. bowl. So to be able to, and look, there are other all-star games. I know that there's like the shrine bowl. I know that there are several others, but these are just the senior players. I think that's a good point. Yeah. Is there anyone you were surprised to see? This could be just NFL wide. Doesn't necessarily have to be Steelers based that you were like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm at shoulders distance to so-and-so. Is there anyone you were surprised to see? Um, 
I'm trying to think if there was anyone who I was I was completely stunned, like, oh my god, it's that guy. That I will say the wing seeing Wink Martindale was, was kind of funny because I'm a Giants fan and <laughs> he's just such a, has such a distinct look with the haircut and um and and you know the way that he just kind of carries himself. And Wink Martindale is probably the one that it stood out to me. I was like, oh, cool, that's that's Wink Martindale. The, the one thing that's interesting this year is that there's less head coach presence than there usually is. There's usually the head coaches are the ones running the practices. We don't have that this year. Um, so there's been a little bit less of that. I think that it's been a much more hands-off year as well. I was I was with somebody yesterday at at, at Veet's, uh, which is the popular bar that everyone goes to. And I, I just stopped there to connect with somebody for, for 45 minutes. And one of the things that he had said to me was a great point, that it's it's way quieter with NFL team personnel than it usually is. It just seems like there, there's less of a typical presence. And I don't know if it's because some people are at the Shrine Bowl um this year which doesn't usually overlap or if people are just gathering the film and going from there uh but overall it seems like there's there's a, a little bit less of that that nfl team personnel presence so what's your average day like when you're there joe to where you wake up in the morning i know we're hopping on here on this show here on the believe in Steelers show but how are the practices structured and then obviously the game's at 2 30 eastern on saturday but what have the mm -hmm. practices been like how are they structured yeah, the the practices themselves have been have been started. There's two back-to-back -back practices that are about two hours in length, and then they'll do a uh, you know a standard warm up. It's it's very similar to the way that the, the practice game or not the practice game, the college game is structured. From when I remember when I played, where you've got five minute periods, the horn will, will blow when the period is done. They've started out with a, a walkthrough. They've gone into warm up. They go to the in, indie drills, which is just position based. Not a lot you can pull from that because you're just kind of seeing guys move, get into a rhythm. Then we get to the competition. We start going to the seven-on-seven. Seven. We start going to the wide receiver versus DB drills. We mm -hmm. start going to the O-line, D-line drills, which is where I think you really start to get a feel for who is having a good week, who is showcasing themselves. Mm -hmm. Eventually, there are interruptions with punt, which is important because a lot of these guys, you talked about this is only the seniors, a lot of these guys are going to make careers in the NFL being special teams players so yep. you need to come come out you need to bust your butt you need to show hey i'm going to put in an effort even though i'm used to being the star guy on defense i'm going to come out here and block on punt i'm going to go cover the heck out of that punt um those periods for me are fun to watch being a former long snapper but uh we get to the team period as well which is a really good time because you're throwing everyone that's been either doing really well or really poorly onto the field at once and then you kind of get more of a way to expose and realize that guy's having a great week because when there's 11 guys in the field and someone makes a play, you make note of it. And then again, that's just like a really, really good way to wrap up practice. Um, yesterday though, we did have an opportunity in the morning to talk to some of the players. And I had a couple of quick conversations with some of the smaller school guys and just some of the guys in general, just to see how things have been going, get their thoughts on a couple of things, some of the matchups that they've had uh, in their college days, but it, it's been a whirlwind waking up early, going to bed late, getting the practice film at like nine o'clock and just going back through that practice film to mm. reassess the notes for anything I've missed. Uh, but you know, definitely nothing better than, than being around football for three straight days. All right. Some would say we're, you know, 20 or so minutes in that I'm burying the lead here, but again, <laughs> quarterback play is something that we obsess about with football. Now I know Louisville's Malik Cunningham is there. Uh, the TCU kid helped me out. Max Duggan. Thank you. Thank you. He is there as well. Uh, what have you seen from them? I know that there are other quarterbacks, the Bryce Youngs, the CJ Strouds of the world, the kid from Kentucky. 
that might be ranked above some of the senior quarterbacks that are there. But what have you seen from the quarterback play? It has been a pretty unexciting quarterback group and probably one of the weakest we've had over the past couple of years. COVID kind of accelerated the quality of quarterback play because you had all these guys that were graduated, so they became eligible. Will Levis mm. should have been here, and I wish he was here because it would have been much more fun to watch him compared to watching Jake Hayner or uh, Tyler B uh, Badgett, who is a uh, quarterback from Shepard. I will say if anyone's performed the the best it might be Jake Hayner from Fresno State mm. overall it's just like a really even keel across the board average group everyone's had their ups and downs a lot of guys that are probably going to be backups in the NFL uh, Malik Cunningham showed up yesterday and he didn't practice the first day and I thought that he had a couple of nice throws he's a smaller quicker shiftier quarterback who is going to fit on a roster with a similar starting quarterback like, like for me if if the Ravens are tired of Tyler Huntley and Lamar Jackson comes back. Like he makes sense on that roster because there's, mm. there's some parallels that could be made. Uh, one final thought on the quarterbacks. I think the most underwhelming has been Jaron Hall. And I, I, it's a very divisive topic to talk about BYU's Jaron Hall because coming into the week, so many people described him as this sleeper quarterback that might go in the end of the first round that might go somewhere early day two. I didn't think he was, really that good watching his film and, and seeing how he played this season. There's highs, there's positives to it, but he showed up this week and is uh, frankly has been abysmal. I, I know that it's hard to handle throwing to receivers that you don't know and thrown into a situation running plays that you're not familiar with, but he has had the biggest cliff fall off compared to other guys that are in the same exact situation. And mm -hmm. I, I just, there's so many weird spots where he's holding the ball too long. His decision-making is forcing the ball into to really tough areas. He's thrown a number of interceptions, a number of uh, broken up passes. He's had a couple nice, you know, drop in the bucket type throws in the end zone, but just overall have not been impressed with, uh, with Jaron Hall. Yeah. And I'll say this too, the flip side of that, Joe, and you know, this doing this as long as you've done it too. Some players aren't practice players either to where it looks yeah. awful practice and then come game time, they're able to turn it on. That's obviously difficult to do when you don't have the rapport with the skill position players like you do with your college teammates and then where you wind up in the pros as well. But great insight there. Um, and, you know, your eyes don't lie to you either, Joe. So, <laughs> it's like you know, you're not trying to throw anyone under the bus, but yeah. you've got to be real on what you're seeing. So I, I appreciate how candid you are with that response. Yeah, and I think a lot, if you ask 90% of people that they're going to agree with that sentiment, that yeah. it, no one's really shined amongst the quarterbacks. The only opinion that everyone agrees on is that Jaron Hall is, has been the one who's done the opposite of that and has probably mm -hmm. maybe had more of a detriment to his draft stock. I got you. I got you. All right. I hate to keep it negative, though, but I've heard some war stories on Twitter oh. about how difficult it's been to get to <laughs> Mobile, Alabama. I personally have only driven through Mobile. I have not actually stopped and visited. But what is your story, Joe? The floor is yours. I think you flew out from L.A., but walk yes. us through the challenges of getting to Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Yeah, for anyone who's kind of loosely seen it, Dallas has been hit with with a horrendous uh, snowstorm or, or what an ice storm. Somebody was trying to explain it to me yesterday that they get all this ice. And I got a warning on my phone on Sunday, and I'm like, I'm sure it'll be fine. First flight at 9 a.m. on Monday gets canceled. I'm scrambling. I just go to the office and I'm trying to figure it out. My three o'clock flight that I switched it to, that then gets canceled. 
I have to then resort to uh, flying to Miami at 11 o'clock at night, getting in at 7 a.m., then connecting to Pensacola, which was another two-hour flight. Got a little bit of sleep. You know, I slept four hours. But the I think the funny part of that about this, how barnyard this whole thing was, was that got out, went and grabbed a, a rental car, drove an hour, and uh, I rolled right up to the first practice as it was starting. So I, I made it. In t- I made it in time. It wasn't. It wasn't that bad. But it just the the hilarity of of how complicated this was. And it's the second year in a row where I've had travel issues. Last year I got stuck here for an extra day because of a similar situation. But uh, I think a lot of people just said. I'm not coming when, when they dealt with it. <laughs> I'm glad that I came, but I was almost at my wits end at the very beginning of this. <laughs> wow. That overnight red eye sounds absolutely brutal no, from fun. LA to Miami. That just, because you're losing time too. It's not just yes. how long the flight takes to go across the country. You're going from Pacific time to Eastern time. Yeah. I tip my cap to you, Joe. That is absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. And I thought I had it bad during the Southwest debacle during the Christmas holiday season. But that you, you've got me beat. I'm not going to lie. You've got me beat. Well, at least I got a flight though. The the people with Southwest were, were stranded. And I, I, to be honest, I would have rather sat through what I did than dealing with being stranded like some of those people, but it's just flying the past, past few months have, have not been, not been easy. We need to get that direct flight to Mobile specifically for this weekend. You'd think with all the, and I was saying this to to Alex, one of the other producers, that you'd think with all the agents coming out of Los Angeles that there would be a direct flight to Mobile. But I, yeah. I guess that they've all got private planes and that's, you know, they, they can't be bothered. <laughs> hey, we got a charter one for next year then. Boom, exactly. there's your solution. But, you know, in all seriousness, when you're flying somewhere that might have a regional airport that's super small, super tiny, you've got to do what you got to do. Totally. And it sounds like you totally rolled with the punches. And that's all that's all you can do, Joe. And honestly, it makes for a great story exactly. here on a podcast, here on a show. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm just happy to be here having a blast, uh, wrapping things up. And look, I can sleep this weekend. That's the only way that I'm looking at this. <laughs> I'm just enjoying being out here watching football. That's all that matters. I didn't realize how you truly were full vampire, though, with all this, too, off the top of the show. Maybe oh, we yeah. should have led with the question about your, your <laughs> travel woes. That might have that might have put a bit of a dark cloud at the beginning of the show. But no, the, I've slept, I think, collectively 12 hours in the last three days, which has been a Again, six cups of coffee will get you through it, and we're 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 powering through. We're getting through all the film. We're getting through all the practices, and uh, I, you know, I could be in a worse situation. Before I let you go, Joe, is there anything else from the Senior Bowl I haven't asked you about that you think our listeners and viewers should know about from what you've seen? Yeah, I think everybody needs to make note of Wisconsin defensive tackle Keanu Benton. Far and away, has had the best week, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not. I need to be perfectly clear here. I am not saying that he is Aaron Donald, but he is one of those guys that has had that Aaron Donald type week where people knew he was good. There were some question marks, shows up, and then has been unblockable in all of these drills that he has he has had to the point where he was so good yesterday. It almost felt like people were tired of talking about him after the first day because he was all everyone was talking about. Played nose tackle at Wisconsin, playing mostly three tech now here at practice, which is where he's mostly going to be comfortable. And then on top of that was dealing with an injury at the end of this season that kept him on the field, but limited in his full capability. Now that he's healthy, we see power. We see explosiveness. Um, there is so much, so much talent that he has. I think he might be a late first round pick when it's all said and done. 
hey, we need some help up front for the Steelers. And they were better up front this year. But look, like Cam Hayward's into his 30s now. Get him some help. Get some depth. Love to hear that. Yeah. Joe DeLeon, you're the absolute best. Thank you so much for your insight and for coming on uh, the show today. I've got his handle on your screen right now. If there's anything else you want to plug, the floor is yours. But thank you for your time this morning, my man. Yeah, just uh, hit, hit me a follow on Twitter. And then also make sure you head on over to the Believe uh, YouTube channel where my coverage is is sitting. And then also other fantastic draft coverage that is going to be going on throughout this entire cycle. Uh, that's just Believe Network, B-L-E-A-V. We all know how to spell it. Uh, <laughs> but make sure to check that out. Yes, sir. And Believe in Steelers is going to be back on Friday as well. My co-host, Ike Taylor, also boots on the ground with the Steelers on the field too. So I can't wait to see what I saw up live in person. But mm. Joe, the, the insight and the access that you have is terrific that you just can't get anywhere else. So thank you again for your time this morning. Thanks for taking the time for us. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Really, really had a blast talking ball with you. And I'm sure I'll be hopping back on some point later on in the cycle. Absolutely. For Joe DeLeon, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for watching the Believe in Steelers show. Today's show brought to you by betonline.ag. Go give us that five-star review, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to your shows. And on YouTube as well, tap that subscribe button. I'll see you next time. See you tomorrow with Ike. Till then, take care. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.